In today's brief, we'll talk about progress in the counteroffensive and the mystery of the missing mercenaries. I'm Linnea, and today is Monday, July 3rd, 2023. You're listening to the Ukraine War Brief podcast, where we bring you up to speed on the war in Ukraine in about 20 minutes or less. Let's get started with the news in Ukraine from the front. Natalia Rumenyuk, spokesperson for Operational Command South of the Ukrainian Army, reported that heavy fighting continues in the area of the Antonivsky Bridge near Kherson. The spokesperson for Operational Command East, Serhii Chedevati, reported that Ukrainian forces continue to gradually advance on the flanks of Bakhmut in Donetsk Oblast. He didn't specify the magnitude of the advance, but noted that Russian positions on both the southern and northern flanks are being attacked, and there has been success near Klashivka and Kurdyumivka to the south of Bakhmut. The Ukrainian 47th Mechanized Brigade released combat footage confirming that they breached Russian forces' last line of defense outside of Robotine. According to the general staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, on July 1st, nearly 800 Russian soldiers were killed and 100 pieces of Russian equipment were destroyed. Moving on to the home front, Kyiv authorities reported that the city's air defenses shot down all eight drones launched at the capital overnight on July 2nd. It was the first drone attack on the city in almost two weeks. Several people were injured in Russian shelling on a residential area in Kherson yesterday. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky was in Odessa yesterday, where he heard a report from commander of the Ukrainian Navy, Oleksiy Nishpapa, on the operational situation in the Black Sea and potential development of the Navy both during and after the war. A monument to the victims of the Russian occupation of Bucha was unveiled in the city just outside of Kyiv. The metal installation includes the names of 501 residents who were killed by Russian forces. According to the Razumkov Center, an absolute majority of Ukrainians now say that reconciliation between Ukraine and Russia is impossible in their lifetime, believe that not only Putin is to blame, and reject the prospect of territorial concessions on the part of Ukraine. Those age 18 to 39 were least inclined to believe that any reconciliation is possible. Quickly on to the temporarily occupied territories, according to the exiled mayor of Melitopol, Ivan Fedorov, there was a loud explosion in the area of the Russian base on Saturday evening. At the time of recording, no further details had been released. As Ukrainian forces continue to liberate territories that have been occupied since 2014, it's important for those of us watching from the outside to be more aware of the often misunderstood Donbass region. If you didn't already know, my co-host Yulia also hosts a podcast we co-produce with Svidomi Media called FAQU Ukraine Explained. In the most recent episode, Yulia interviewed a historian specializing in the ethnocultural composition of eastern Ukraine, renowned author and professor Katarina Zarembo. I'd like to share a snippet of that episode with you here, and I encourage you to listen to the full interview, as well as the follow-up episode also about Donbass that will be released tomorrow. If anyone developed the land to its industrial nature, for which the region is famous, this, this is not definitely not Russia, these are Western Europeans, like French, German, Welsh, and Belgium. 
uh, and Belgian uh, settlers who came with their big money and um, advanced industry, including their own uh, engineers, and um, uh, started to elaborate the, uh, yeah, the industrial potential of the region uh, starting from the second half of the 19th century. And then basically what happened with the First World War and the Bolshevik Revolution, that uh, when Bolsheviks took over the, the Tsar government, the Tsar regime, they just expropriated this, um, uh, these firms, these companies, dual companies between the Russian Empire and uh, Western Europeans. So basically they, they told the Western European proprietors, you know, you can be free, they're just ours. Um, so if anything, I mean, Western Europeans were specifically invited by the Tsarist regime because they could not develop it in the way uh, uh, the, the Westerners could. They did not have neither intellectual nor engineering capacity nor money. So, um, so yeah, I mean, this just doesn't, doesn't hold true. And basically, if we look at the history of mining, uh, specifically, but it goes far beyond mining. It, uh, it also regards many factories which then had to close down, like, for example, um, glass making factory or rubber making factories, which then had to be closed in the independent in independent Ukraine because they just could not hold together. They were too bankrupt to, to go on operating. So what my point is that uh, uh, various enterprises, various businesses in the Soviet Union in the region only held because uh, they worked according to the planned economy, and then in the beginning of independent Ukraine, because of the state do, uh, dotation, they called Ukraine, so but state subsidizes uh, uh, unprofitable enterprises. Uh, so the golden age of the uh, region's industry uh, was when the Western Europeans contributed to it or, or started it. Uh, but in fact, the Soviet regime... Uh, uh, if we look at the history of the mines in Soviet regime, then we will see that uh, they would every year produce uh, worse um, results, uh, uh, less efficient, uh, life-threatening. So basically, there was no, it was not not an anti-person-oriented business. Um, yeah. So if Russians did anything there, they they just stole and then brought to neglect. Speaking of missing information, let's talk about what's up with the Russian Federation. The commander of the Combined Forces of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, Valery Zaluzhny, reported that, so far, not a single private military company or PMC Wagner unit has been spotted in Belarus. So where are they? Russian TV host Dmitry Kiselev claimed that PMC Wagner Group made 858 billion rubles that's nearly 10 billion U.S. dollars, on contract with the Kremlin. And Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin's other companies, run by Prigozhin's holding Concord Group, made another 845 billion rubles. According to the U.K. Ministry of Defense, Russia has had to cancel its international air show, MAX, due to security concerns. Such a bummer. Before we move on to European news, if you're enjoying the episode, please rate us and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to reach out to us via email at social at borlingen.media. That's B-O-R-L-I-N-G-O-N dot media. But moving on to Europe. Ukrainian Minister of Foreign Affairs Dimitro Kuleba had a strong reaction to Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban's statement last week 
that Ukraine is no longer a sovereign state, saying, quote, I'm tired of refuting all these ridiculous arguments. It's all just blah, 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 end quote. Noting that while he does not consider Orban a Putin ally, quote, the political understanding of the situation in the Hungarian prime minister's office and in the Kremlin is very similar, end quote. Poland's interior minister, Mariusz Kaminski, provided some more details about the country's reinforcements at the border with Belarus, stating that 500 policemen and counterterrorism forces will be deployed to the border. Let's talk about the news worldwide. Russian citizens' dissatisfaction with the war in Ukraine has opened up new opportunities for the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency, that would be the CIA, according to CIA Director William Burns, who noted that the CIA is not going to miss, quote, an opportunity that comes once in a generation, end quote, adding that the war has already become a strategic failure for Russia, while NATO is growing in force. Are you a Russian citizen who would like to become an informant for the CIA? It's now as easy as reaching out via the Telegram account, securely contacting CIA. We will, of course, include the link in the description down below. Multinational oil and gas company Shell continues to trade Russian gas, despite pledging to withdraw from the Russian energy market, citing a, quote, dilemma between pressuring Russia and maintaining stable energy supplies. So I guess I'll have to find my overpriced road trip snacks and flavored iced tea somewhere else. Let's talk military tech. While Russian air defenses may be able to detect incoming Storm Shadow cruise missiles, they don't appear to be very capable of intercepting them, according to a recent video. The video shows the launch of a surface-to-air missile presumably toward an unseen incoming threat, only to be followed by a massive impact explosion pretty close to the camera. Previous accounts have suggested that Russian short-range air defense, or SHORAD, systems have been struggling to track and intercept the low-observable storm shadows. Another video shared in June reportedly shows a Russian Pantsir S-1 air defense unit also failing to intercept an incoming storm shadow. That's the actually incredibly brief brief for today. Remember to check your sources and don't fall for propaganda. Join us on YouTube and TikTok for more Ukraine content and live news reports. And please consider supporting our work on Patreon. You'll find the links in the description. We'll be back tomorrow with more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone.